as you uh, do eventually mosey back to your, your place, we are, Pizza Christ to you too, Alan. Some people say, you know, you've lost control. Well, in order to lose control, you have to somehow think you ever had it. Yeah, I've been disabused of that a long time. The, uh, during this, this season of Lent, we are exploring what it means to rest. And, and that's really important for followers of Christ, for those that, that seek to, to know Him, that, that seek to do what, what He would tell us to do, because often what, we then want to do good. You know, we want to do the things that He calls us to, and that becomes really difficult. That becomes really difficult because um, of the ways of the world. It becomes difficult because of the sin within us. And, and then as we, we finally we get there and we're, we're pushing into what's good, it, it, becomes, it can become burdensome. We can grow weary in doing what is good. And what Jesus invites us to is to, to come to Him, to find rest in Him in the doing of life, in the, the effort and work of life. And as you, you think about this word rest and what it means to rest, what, what comes to your mind as the opposite of rest? I'm sorry? Uh, everybody spoke at one time. That's what I get for asking a big question. What? Activity? Stress? Work? Busyness. Yeah? Worry. Anxiety. Spring forward. Yeah. Spring forward. Yeah. Losing an hour of sleep. Right. Yeah. That, that, and you know, that, what we're getting at, that, that word stress, you know, that, that anxiety that we face, that worry, that, that burden that we face. Uh, I uh, did, you know, was just doing a little bit of work, you know, research on that, which really these days means basically I Googled it. You know, so just so you know that, just uh, you don't know, think too uh, highly of me, which I know isn't a problem in this group. Um, <laughs> But that you look up stress. I did a little uh, survey, or, or I looked, found a survey by the um, American uh, Psycholo- Psych- Psychologist Association, the APA. And they, they've been doing this kind of thing, measuring it for a long time, sort of just how folks feel stress. And you know, over the last 35 years, how people have identified, self identified, their level of stress has gone up about 20, 25%. Over the last 30 to 35 years. Just how, what people identify for themselves. That that's, that's gone up. And in the midst of that then, Jesus says, you know, come to me and you will find rest. I will give you rest. And so our passage throughout Lent is in Matthew 11, starting with verse 28. And uh, I'm going to ask that we read that together. And I'm, I'm going to ask us as well that we, we stand even and uh, read that together. Um, a person asked uh, me the other day if we could do that. And now they were saying it helped them to stand and read the scripture because then it made them focus on the, the scriptures. Um, but it's also uh, a practice that the church has done for a long time um, where they would stand up 
to read the scripture together. So let's, let's read uh, the words of Jesus together here. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask now that your living word, the the work of your Holy Spirit would come to bear in our own lives, would would show fruit in our own lives for, for your glory and your honor. Help us as a community to to hear your word and to apply it. Help us individually. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So Jesus tells us here to come to him. That that that's the first thing that he says. Come to me. I ran across a a quote uh, from C.S. Lewis. Actually, and this says really well why he says that. Yet God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from Himself, because it is not there. There is no such thing. There is no such thing as rest apart from Jesus. And it's just where rest rests, and we can only find it in Him. So that's why He doesn't give us a set of rules or guidelines, but He gives us Himself. So we, we come to Him. And then as we, we looked at last week, we, we're yoked to Him. And uh, this is a picture of the yoke, remember the two loops, and then that, that, that becomes something then that we, uh, that oxen, we're comparing us and Himself uh, to oxen, that's then the two oxen, they, they are yoked together. And that would be the picture that everyone, Jesus, was talking about. We would see that. They would recognize that. So he says, you want rest. You've got to come to me. And this is what you do. You know, yoke with me. Take my yoke upon you. We will be uh, yoked together. I will be your teacher. Uh, apprentice yourself to me. Be my student as we live life. I will be your teacher for what life is about. Yoke yourself to me. Recognize this, that, that for rest, it does not mean it's the elimination of work or effort. Work is eternal and good. There has been work since Genesis 1, before the fall. There will be work in heaven. But it will be effort that we make that fits well and that brings about the result that it was intended. It will bring satisfaction. And when we yoke ourselves with Jesus... It's not an elimination of work. It's not a physical rest. It's something much deeper. It's a rest for our lives. As we'll see in a moment, it is an elimination, a movement of an elimination of worry and fear and anxiety as we're yoked with Him in this life, developing faith and trust and even joy and love. It's a way that, that Jesus says, yoke with me because he, he's not 
This this rest that he brings is not caused by changing the world. It's caused by changing me and you. He doesn't say, go yoke the rest of the world with me. He says, you yoke with me and become my apprentice for all of life. Become my student for all of life. This is not, this rest that He invites us to is not a decision that we make. It is a lifestyle that He develops as we are yoked with Him. I wish it were just a decision. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, just sort of, all right, here's rest. Okay, I'm going to decide to yoke with Jesus and boom, I am rested. No anxiety or worry. What? Me worry. No. It's not that. It's a lifestyle that as we yoke with Him that is developed and that never ends until we see Him face to face. So He's saying, come learn from me. Hear me. Watch me. And then you'll find rest. This is the word. This this word where He says, learn from me. It's the same word that we use for disciple. Yeah, and so whenever you see the word disciple, it, it, it is the word learner. It is, it is the, the it means, it's not a technical term that it's just for these particular people. It is for all who have yoked themselves to Jesus who are learning from Him how to live life. So he says when you do that, then you will find rest. And you will, as you yoke with me, develop towards eliminating worry and fear and anxiety. Again, not a decision to make, but a lifestyle to develop that that creates in us, that leads us in a freedom from that worry, fear, and anxiety. So what we're going to do now is look at one of the passages. We're going to do what Jesus says here. Yeah, it's sort of a good thing. Yeah, he says, learn from me. Well, let's learn from him then. Let's, let's learn from, from a passage that, that talks about being freed from the stress, worry, anxiety of life. Interesting note um, here. In, in part of the, the study of, of looking at what does um, stress us, uh, there was across the board and throughout the years one thing that was always at the top. Majority of the time, most people always put this one thing at the top of their list of the things that stressed them the most. And what do you think it was? Very good. Money. Survey was right. Survey says money was the top of that list. And you know, it shows you how Jesus, he, he, he knew that. He's smart God, Jesus. So that's a really good reason to learn from him. Because this was written long, long time ago. And yet, when he says, do not worry, don't have anxiety, the thing he talks about most often is money. So Luke uh, chapter 12, starting with verse uh, 22, and we'll go through 34, but we'll walk through this and we'll learn from Jesus, learn from his teachings. What does he teach us and how does that apply in our lives? One other thing I do, do want to note is uh, you know, that's part of the reason with the, the Lenten devotionals, you know, the Got Rest devotionals, that each day, the middle of the day, is a quote from, what, from the words of Jesus. And the 
reason for that is that each day, the middle of the day, we're learning from Jesus. And if you're unfamiliar with this, feel free to grab one. There's some on the table there, or it's also on the, the website. And it's just a, a daily prayer guide and reading guide throughout um, Lent, and where there's a prayer for the morning, a reading for the for middle of the day, and then a prayer at, uh, at night as we walk through this Lenten season um, together. All right, Luke 12, 22 through 23. He, Jesus, said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. First, note, you know, he's to his disciples. Now, this, this word disciple is the same word learn. It's the exact same. It's just one is a noun form and the other is the verb form. So he said to his learners, he said to those people who have apprenticed themselves to him, those who have yoked themselves to him, those who are saying, yes, you're the master, you're the teacher, I want to live life with you, I want you to, to lead me into the way of life. So that's to all of us that that's true, then this is his teaching. And, and therefore, he said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Well, the therefore is always an important thing. He's basing it on what had happened before. And if you go back and read the beginning part of chapter 12, you'll, you'll see what happened is that Jesus was hanging out with some guys, and one of the guys came to him and said, Hey, Jesus, you know, will you tell my brother to properly divide our inheritance between us? You know, my parents must have died, and they got an inheritance, and the guy came to Jesus and said, will you tell them to divide it um, appropriately? And Jesus said, why are you worrying me with this? This isn't my deal. This, this is insignificant stuff here. And he tells a story then about a, a farmer who was, uh, had a bumper crop, and he had all these uh, the crops, and he said, what am I going to do with all of my stuff that I've created here and and formed and caused and where do I put it? I'm going to have to build more barns. And Jesus said, you know, that guy had things all wrong because God came to him that day and said, you know, you fool. Why do you think your life is about the abundance of your possessions? Today, your life is required of you. And what are you going to do with all your stuff? That's what is there for. So now Jesus is laying this out, saying, you know, the, the world says, you know, he who dies with the most wins, the most toys wins. Jesus said, hey, you know, that's just cattywampus. It's a technical term, cattywampus. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as we'll see, he with the most to- toys tends to worry the most. So he's saying, no, this, you have your priorities wrong don't worry about even things like food and clothing because your body your, your life's more important than that but so see here what jesus is going straight for as he's talking about money that that's the issue he then goes straight to now what i don't want you to do is worry about that i, I don't i don't want you to be anxious about even important necessary things like food and clothing now, that's really easy to say. It's really nice and easy for me to say to everybody, well, that's what Jesus said, so now go do it. Well, you, you see why I'm saying this is not a decision to make. Again, like I said, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if there's just some pixie dust or, you know, or a magic pill, and we could take that, and this would be true. I don't think anybody you know, wants to worry. I don't think anybody has ever questioned you're going to worry yourself to death. 
Nobody's ever come up with the saying, you know, I think you can. Worry yourself to life. You know, it's, it's not a matter of wanting to. It's not a matter of decision. You know, it's not a matter of just taking the, the right pill or reading the right passage. This is a lifestyle that is developed as we're yoked with Jesus and we apprentice ourselves to Him into life. I mean, it's a good thing to not take ourselves too seriously and really laugh at this. You just laugh at our worry. You know, because Jesus is right here, you know, it doesn't do any good, and yet we still do it, and we know that. You know, and I've been doing this kind of thing for 22 years, uh, standing up here and talking, preaching. You know, have tw- and it, it doesn't make Saturday nights any easier. You know, it's every Saturday night I wonder, right, am I going to sleep tonight or not? And this, you know, last night was even worse. Oh, I've got to get to sleep because I'm losing an hour. <laughs> you know, it's just a matter of laughing at ourselves when we see that we're going to be, we worry and anxiety about money, about the future, about all these kind of things that only rob us of life instead of lead us to life. Don't think it's a matter of just making a decision. It's about apprenticing ourselves. With Jesus. And this is where Jesus wants to lead us, to a place where we're not living by worry. Now, the other thing I want you to see is that this is crucial is that it's about apprenticing ourselves with Jesus, about following after Jesus. And what often can be the case is that we say, well, I like that. I want to not worry. And once I get finished with fill in the blank, then I'm going to apprentice myself to Jesus. You know, once I get finished with this particular assignment, or even something as foolish as once I have my fun. How's that working? You know, I mean, Jesus is the creator of life. You know, I mean, yeah, you can self-medicate. And for the night, you can be freed from worry. I got bad news about the morning, though. There's no hangover as we apprentice ourselves with Jesus. So there's no sense of, yeah, I'm going to do this before I apprentice myself, before I give my life to Jesus. I just want to say, and I say this as quoting God from the, 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 the uh, parable, the, the story that Jesus said, we're fools if we think that leads to life. You know, let me do this. Let me get married and then, you know, let me finish this class and then, let me finish this assignment and then, let me make my first million and then. You know, it just, that's... It is such a high priority to apprentice ourselves with you. There is nothing more important. Absolutely nothing. And so if you're... And, and I know, there, there are people in here that are going to be struggling with that. You're struggling with it. You know, I mean, because you're so, so much... Our, our world tells us you're an individual. Do what you want. Go. Be your own boss. That's the world. I just want to say, that's a lie. Jesus is the one that leads us to the fullness of life. And this is what he's saying. You know, find rest. You know, don't live in worry. Well, that means apprentice ourselves and be developed in life in him. And oppose the lies of the world. All right, the next section, verse 24 um, through uh, 28. Consider the ravens. 
They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you're not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? See, I told you, he's talking to me. He's talking to us. O ye of little faith. And that make you feel good? That, he, that he, He's talking to us. He knows us. He knows, yeah, that's, that's where we are. He's, he's, he's tracking with us. But he, he's not, uh, not giving us an easy assignment here. But in, in this particular section of what he's, how he's teaching us, you know, it, <clears throat> I think that they probably were in the middle of a field. Yeah, and Jesus was telling his learners, those that had yelled to him, hey, look, look at that grass, look at that field, isn't that beautiful? Look at that flowers as they're coming out, isn't that wonderful? Look at how God has done with those things, and yet you're more important than those. And then birds were flying, hey, look at those birds. You know, look, as they're flying, and look at their nest. You know, if God loves them and cares for them, you're more important. How much more so will he care for you? So I think we need to take Jesus' command here literally. And go bird watching. Really. Take a hike. Go to the beach. There you go. Your preacher said go to the beach because Jesus said so. You know, as I was looking at the articles about stress and why they went up and all that kind of stuff, one of the things that the sociologists were postulating is that one of the reasons maybe that, that, that stress has gone up over those years is because of you know, the cellular leash. You know, and, and connection, you know, that our lives are just characterized by, by pings and bongs and tones and vibrations. You know, I mean, just every so every often there's just no time of unplugging. Right? It's just information all the time that, that we can get. And, and usually that information is shallow. You know, it's stuff, you know, a guy I haven't seen in probably 15 years, but I know what he had for dinner last night because I saw it. And the information that he, the picture he sent me, or sent to the world. And I think the yoke that Jesus is saying is that he's going to show us how to take Sabbath seriously. How to simply explore and enjoy the beauty of God's creation. He's going to show us to just marvel at God's creative genius as we look at the birds of the air and the grass of the fields and the rocks of the mountains and the waters of the rivers and the oceans and the the bugs and the animals in the woods. told the guys in our small group uh, that I was going to out us on this one, but we, uh, we tried a couple weeks ago to we do things where we have assignments and we're, we're to hold each other accountable to them. And one of them, we were going to take 24 hours and unplug. Just totally unplug. And we came back with our tail between our legs because none of us could do it. 
None of us could unplug. Yeah, we've, we've gotten so caught into that. None of us could un- I mean, really, who do we think we are that we're so necessary to the world that we've got to be connected? You know, unless you're a heart surgeon on call or something like that, then you've got to be plugged in. Otherwise, really, how necessary is it? I mean, it makes you wonder, how in the world did humanity survive 5,000 years without being plugged in? Take, take his word seriously here and go for a hike. I mean, just go to Mount Airy Forest. Just go, go to Leboido Woods. Go down to the river. It's actually sort of cool. I got to go down to the river last night. And, you know, it's, it's at like flood stage. And so it, it's moving. It's like going five times faster than usual. And you sort of sit there and you sort of get mesmerized by the power that's there. See what God has done. How he cares for the beauty of his creation. And, and know that you're more important. That He cares for you even more so. And He knows the needs that we have that are real. And He plans to provide them. So our trust, as we yoke with Jesus, we see that and know that and we grow into that. It's part of that developing, that moving you know, from our head to our heart. Right, verse 29 through uh, 31. And do not keep striving for what you're to eat and what you're to drink. And do not keep worrying. For it's the nations of the world that strive after all these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for His kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. One of the key words here is striving. It's sort of what we've been talking about. That it's, you know, it's the, what's the priority? What are you striving for? He says, don't make striving for what you eat and drink what you're about. It's sort of the same thing we talked about last week. Don't, don't strive for rest because you'll never get it. Don't strive for what you eat and drink without worry because you'll never get it. Strive for Jesus. Strive for, for His kingdom. Your Father knows what you need. You, know, you strive for Him and He you know, provides. If we're striving for the things of the world, if we're striving even for... I mean, these are your basic things, your food and your drink. And if, we're, if we're striving for those things, if we're striving for anything else other than Jesus, He says, you know... That's how people, where it says here, that's how the nations of the world, what he's saying there, that's how people who don't know me live. You know, people who don't know me, people who think they are the master of their own domain, people who think that life is about them, that's how they live. You know, folks who are, who are true atheists, they live that way. You know, there was a great book a couple years ago, talked about Christian atheists, you know, that we're... Christians, by statement, but practically, were atheists. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not an option. You know, we, we live, we strive for Him and His kingdom, and we trust, and we grow in that trust and faith that God provides for us. 
One of the ways that we strive for it is we, we take time regularly to read what Jesus teaches us. And that's what he's saying here. You know, learn from me. But we can't learn from him if we're not reading what he's teaching us. If we're not reading what he said is true, what he said is good. Yeah, and, and that's, again, why it's in the Lenten devotional and why there's Bible. Man, if you don't have a Bible, take one of these. I know it says do not remove on a lot of these. That's okay. That was a mistake. It should say do remove. It says do remove and read regularly. <clears throat> or if you don't want one of these, then you can, the, the five-minute party that Brian mentioned. There you got Bibles there as well where you know, we want to read and know. We want to strive after what Jesus would teach us. All right, final section of this, this passage then, of what Jesus is teaching us about stress and worry. Uh, verse 32 and 34. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then, you know, that last sentence, I mean, that really is the theme sentence. I, I could have almost just read that and been done, but I didn't want to do that. Um, it's really about yoking with Jesus so that, you know, our treasure becomes what is truly treasured, what is truly eternal, what is truly beautiful. And then our heart follows. You know, it's, a, it's, it's about realigning our desires and our heart. Oh, that's, that's, what, that's what Jesus is, we yoke with him, that's what he's, what he's doing. But I just want to take what he says here. I want to take, again, take it literally. Like I said, go on a hike and those kind of things. Here, he says, sell your possessions. Yeah, go, sell your possessions. Sell them. You don't want to do that? Okay, well then, I guess you can give them away. Uh, Jesus probably wouldn't be upset with that. You know, it is interesting that he says, sell your possessions. Instead of give them away. Part of it is he knows you know, what we need. It's also interesting that he says sell your possessions and give alms. He doesn't say sell your possessions and then take care of your needs. He, he, that's sort of implied. But he also And this, this is true in the Apostle Paul he says this about the folks in the church. There are folks in the church that were robbing things. There are folks in the church that weren't, that weren't uh, working. They were, they were uh, uh, stealing from folks. And he said, no, stop stealing. Stop doing that. Go, find a job, get a job and work so that you get income so that then you can give to other people who don't have. It's, it's interesting. That's sort of the New Testament movement. And, but, so sell your possession. Now, for a lot of us in here, that's not a real challenge. Well, it's not a real challenge in that you know, we've only got one bed or well, one, clo- one, one coat. Um, matter of fact, in, uh, it was in the newspaper a couple weeks ago, an article in Cincinnati Inquirer about you know, hoarding today and storage bins and all that kind of stuff. And get this, one out of every four garages in the United States, one every, out of every four garages can a car park in today. Now, it's not because they were poorly made. It's because they got too much stuff in them. Three out of four garages can't handle a car because they got too much stuff in them. And if you're like me, well, uh, you know, I've also got a basement and an attic. So the garage is okay, but don't try to walk in the basement and an attic. 
You know, for, uh, for us, for three years, we had boxes in our garage. Our cars couldn't fit in them until we finally said, why do we got boxes in there? And there you know, there's such important, significant things that have been wrapped up in boxes for three years that, that they must be necessary for our lives. So go sell. Sell, you know, go, clean out a closet. Clean out a garage. Sell it. Let it go. I mean, and, and, you know, this is one of the, in both of these, where he says, and also give alms. You know, he says, and give, you know, that it's not, ju- I mean, the, the tithe where um, followers of Jesus give 10% of their income to the work of the church is, is it's not just so that the church can operate. I mean, that, that is a benefit. But the real benefit of this, of selling your possessions and giving alms, is because it puts you as the master of your possessions. You possess your stuff. They don't possess you. And so when you take ownership in a real way and sell them and give them away, it's a way of of a spiritual discipline. Of you saying, you know, you don't have power over me. God has power over me. God's the one that's the provider, not my money or my stuff. So so sell it. Give it away to to demonstrate that that money's not your master. Jesus is. As we said, heard before, money and stuff makes a terrible master but an excellent servant. And Jesus knows that. And he knows if we get that reversed, that's what leads to anxiety. Now, some of you know, you're feeling that tug, you know, aren't you? You're saying, yeah, this is not a decision. This is a lifestyle to develop. I had a a friend, this is a number of years ago now, but he, 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 he was striving for a green Ford Mustang. And, and, and he found one, and, and he bought it, and, and he, he loved it, and he loved it for a year, and he, after a year of hand-washing it, you know, about every two weeks and all the rest, he, it was a, a weak moment that he took it into a car wash, you now because it needed to be car, but he just didn't have time, and he took it in, and as he was leaving down the, down the, the highway, got on the interstate, and the paint started flicking off. It was probably a combination of some of the chemicals at the car wash and really probably a bad paint job from the guy that he bought it from. But it started, you know, potting and, and peeling and stuff. And he was incensed. He, he was horrified by it all. And, and, but he shared with me, you know, in the midst of all of that, God had been teaching him about possessions, about God being the, that God's really the owner. You know, we don't possess anything. We're stewards of God's stuff. And we just care for it while God has it in our hands. And so he, he, he pulled over to the side of the road and he was learning that. And he yelled up to God, God, I, do you see what's happening to your car? Do, do you want your car to look like this? And it did. It led to laughter. He laughed at himself and said, Yeah, this isn't my stuff. This is your stuff. So I can be free to sell it, not save it for a while. You never know. I might just need this. And to, to give, to give generously, cheerfully. Even sacrificially.
We yoke with Jesus. It is a lifestyle. What we strive for in life so that we can be freed from worry, stress, and the anxiety of stuff. It's not a decision to make, but it's a lifestyle to develop. Maybe the Spirit hit you with one of those. Maybe you need to go on a hike. Maybe you need to go to the river. Maybe you need, you got a closet. Yeah, I need to clean this out and sell it. Or, yeah, I need to give to this. Or or I need to to sit with Jesus' teachings. Or whatever. Maybe there's something else. But here's a word for us today. So we yoked with Him. We learn from him. And as we learn and apply what he teaches, we are, our desires are aligned with the treasures of heaven. Our, our heart gets aligned with the love of God. And we live and work and rest. And God is glorified and his grace is celebrated. Amen.